Welcome to the Strategy and Leadership Podcast, the podcast that brings you practical advice, lessons, and stories from senior leaders and thought leaders from around the world. The Strategy and Leadership Podcast is brought to you by SME Strategy, working with organizations around the world to create and implement their strategic plans. To learn more, visit smestrategy.net. And now, your host, Anthony Taylor. Welcome, folks, to this episode of the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. My name is Anthony Taylor. We interview thought leaders, senior leaders, and experts on this podcast to get their perspective on strategy, leadership, how to move people forward, and just really how to be great in life. And my guest today is Jared Carroll. Jared, what's happening today? Anthony, great to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, not a lot. It's a it's a nice sunny day in Oakland, which isn't bad for, for January 20th. Excellent. I definitely got that. So Jared, I want to give a background. He is the author of A White Guy Confronts Racism, An Invitation to Reflect and Act. And he's also a senior facilitator at Translator Inc. Uh, Jared, looking at your background, you've worked with like impactful organizations, well-known brands in the Bay. But if you're in the Bay, you're probably global. You've spoken to some of the biggest companies in the world about, you know, racism, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so tell me about some of the work that you're doing now and and what's, you know, kind of top of mind in the space that you see. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony. Gosh, where to start? So as you said, I, you know, my, my main gig lately has been with Translator Inc. And it's a DEI analytics software company. It's really powerful. It's a, it's a startup. So what we do and and my role is kind of a senior facilitator. I do some client work with, uh, you know, coaching and kind of strategy sessions with, with mostly senior leaders, mostly white senior leaders, a lot of white men who are kind of newer into this space. When I say this space, like, you know, what what do I do? I know racism. I know uh, diversity, inclusion, equity. These are things I'm supposed to know about. And and I don't really know what to do. Can you help me? So that's kind of my role. But what Translator does as a company is we, we provide really robust, powerful, compelling learning experiences with a platform that is really engaging and interactive that also collects really powerful data that, that we can share both live time in the, in the sessions and afterwards with senior leadership where we say, hey, you know, these 50 people, senior leaders took this 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 experience. It was really powerful. Here's some of the qualitative data we found. And here's some of the quantitative data that we are going to present that we're presenting back to you that says, hey, you know, here's what we're seeing. Here's what your people are saying. Here's what we're noticing. Here are recommendations. Are you ready to 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 start acting? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like they can't unknow, they can't unsee what we've what we've shared with them. So that's a little bit about translator. And then of course with the book, I mean the book just came out a few months ago and it's been about almost two years in the making of really kind of putting myself out there vulnerably about, you know, I'm a white guy. I'm a straight white man talking about and 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 working in the anti-racism space, which is I think really powerful and really needed. And so the work at Translator overlaps a lot with the work I do kind of on my own consulting. Um, and it just interconnects and intersects quite a bit because it's the same type of work, trying to elevate awareness, uh, ignite a spark, start conversations, challenge people to do better and be better, but also support them in that journey of uh, doing better and being better. So that's a, that's a little high level summary. Um, there's of course more to talk about, but that's the gist. 
Awesome. I love that. Well, one of the guests that we had on our podcast earlier, Melvin Gravely, he wrote a book called Dear White Friend, which I thought was awesome. Still available. Awesome guy. And as you know, some of our listeners know, we had our, our diversity and inclusion summit late last year. And it was really you know powerful for me as a also white guy, straight white guy, to be able to reflect on those things and I don't want to call it a trend. I hate that diversity inclusion. It's not a trend, but I want to call it more of a, of a movement, more of an awareness that has happened really in the past two years for people who don't experience it on a daily basis. So Jared, for people that don't experience or recognize, I'll say racism on a daily basis, but who might not be totally aware of the impacts of not diversity, equity, and inclusion. What are some of the things that they're reflecting on? What are some of the questions that you have them ask? And how are those people who, again, might not live it and might not be experiencing it every day, evolving and growing in that sort of learning and awareness as you've talked about? Yeah, I mean, great set of questions, Anthony. Uh, I mean, do, do we have do we have three weeks to you know to talk? <laughs> well, you got about three minutes. Go. <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, you 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 pointed at at it pretty directly, right? If I'm if I've well, I'll use myself. I grew up in Southern California in the '80s and '90s as a white kid, lower middle class. So it wasn't like I was you know super wealthy, but I did have privilege. I never had to think about race, racism. Uh, I didn't have any really black friends, other friends of color. My world was very limited. And so then as I go off to college and I go out in the world and I start to, you know, uh, see these things, I had a choice. And initially my choice was, eh, I don't care. Those aren't my people. That's not my issue. It doesn't affect me. I've got other things to worry about. But then as you start to, or as I started to kind of think about it more, and my dad was a big influence on me, he was a gay man. So he was really trying to say, hey, Jared, you know, you got you to gotta evolve, you got to change. And so as I started, it wasn't like I was uh, converted, but it was like, hey, I don't want to be that guy anymore who doesn't care, doesn't know, doesn't get it, isn't interested, all, this, all these things. And it was really about this kind of evolution of consciousness on, on my part to say, there's stuff I'm missing out on. There are relationships, there are opportunities, there are people, there are, you know, things that I that I want to be a part of that I want to know about. And so that's my journey. So when my dad died in, in 2000, about 20, you know, 21, a little over 21 years ago, uh, I was 27. I moved up to the Bay Area. I started teaching, started really just diving in on my own in, you know, kind of doing my own journey of learning and growing and immersing. And, you know, without giving a whole, you know, people can check out my LinkedIn profile if they want to see what I've done, but, you know, it's evolved to what I'm doing now today. So I share that story because I see, you know, every single person, whatever their their race, their background, their gender, et cetera, is on a, is on a similar journey. And I think to get to the point of what you were asking about, you know, the senior leaders or any leaders or really anyone, I think a lot of people are kind of where I was maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. We're like, wait a second. I got to be different. I got to do things different. I don't know how. You know, you see a lot of approaches from people in, in my line of work that are like just, you know, really hard hitting and you got to do this. And, and that can work. But also when you're used to privilege, equity feels like oppression. So if I come at you and say, hey, Anthony, you're privileged and you're, and you're going to be like, whoa, I'm not a bad guy. And you're going to get defensive. You're going to get dismissive. You're going to tune out of the conversation. So how do I come in and say, hey, we got to talk about this and, you know, tell me your story. 
tell me what's what you're thinking about. Tell me what you don't know. Tell me about your people if you're if you're a manager. Tell me about your organization, right? So really engage these people in conversations, challenging them. Say, hey, can I offer you a different perspective? What about what if you were a black female? Would you think of this situation differently? You know, those types of questions, and then supporting them in that in that learning journey because if it's just all challenging they're going to check out but if it's just all supporting it's like are we really changing are we really evolving no so it's this kind of yin yang of like challenging supporting so that's my general approach and of course there are a lot of little you know nuances and techniques that i use depending on the person the company the the engagement etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah i get that well because one of the things it's well that i heard is wanting to be the kind of person that does that, that you saw the benefit of doing it. And I hate to say that most human beings are self-serving, but I think that we inherently are and that we, we won't are, we are. change unless we see a benefit to it. So like, it's kind of shitty saying it, but seeing the benefit of not being a, a dickhead's not a gender inclusive. So it's a asshole. Anyway. Um, but recognizing you see, I, it's my podcast. I can swear on it if I want, uh, recognizing that there is an opportunity out of it. There is a benefit of doing it, not just being a air quotes, good person, but then also recognizing that, you know, diversity and equity and inclusion is not just racism, although racism is a huge part of that. And so I guess my question to you, Jared, is like, given that that's your approach and given that you challenge people without pressuring them and, and, and pushing them away, there's obviously large corporate organizations. There's people sponsoring these initiatives for whatever reason, whatever motivation it is. And I'm not here to say what it is. So there's the people who want to do it. And then there's people that are being put into these programs. So as somebody who is committing to do this, what are some lessons learned for, for those that are wanting to embrace it? And what are some of the lessons learned that you've seen from people that are resisting it for whatever reason that is? And you touched on a couple. So that's yeah. like eight questions at once. So we have another three weeks. <laughs> no, great set of questions. And I, I totally, I mean, as you were speaking, I'm like, yep, that's basically every engagement. So my emphasis is on, you know, individuals and small groups. That's just where I work best. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I facilitate groups of, you know, it could be six, eight, 10, 20, you know, 12 people, right? And what I've learned, and I think a lot of people in my space understand this, like all I really need is at least one person in, a, in an organization or a department or, you know, whatever the, the, the company is, who is on board, who has the budget, who has the wherewithal, who understands the value of it to sign off for me to get in the door. I don't need to change everyone. Uh, there are people who'd come in and do organizational audits and do uh, you know that whole thing, which is great. That's not what I do. What I do is I work with individuals and small groups to evolve their thinking, to see how their actions or inactions, their words or lack of words, impact their people, their teams, you know, whatever the context is, right? Whatever their role is, if they're, you know, in engineering or marketing or sales, you know, there are all these different contexts. Like who is in your sphere of influence, your sphere of impact, who is being affected uh, in some way by your, how you're embodying your day-to-day -day living, right? And so when we, you know, you get to that, like, you know, it is, it is, and I would argue it should be selfish. So for me, I'll use myself as an example. And by the way, I do that a lot because I'm a storyteller. I believe in the power of story. I believe in the power of what I call a possibility model. Hey, mm -hmm. 
hey, people, look at me. Use me as your as your model, as your motivation, as your inspiration, as to, as to see yourself in me and what, what you could be. So to answer your question, not everyone's going to get it. Not everyone's going to care. Not everyone's going to be on board. Not everyone's going to commit. And I don't want to say that's okay, because it's not. Like, we do need everyone committing, but that's the reality. So who are the people who actually are going to care, who are going to commit, who are interested in changing and learning? And if you find those right people, they're going to be your ambassadors, your change agents, your, your strate strategic kind of collaborators, right? And they could be at any level of the organization. Now, of course, the higher up they are, the better it is, because they have more influence. But say someone's, you know, you know, Mid, middle manager, lower level, or even entry level. If they are on board, part of the work that I do with, with individuals and in small groups is like, all right, you don't have a ton of uh, influence just because of your level and the type of organization you're in. Who do you know who's, who's more senior than you that, that we can strategize ways for you to talk to, to to move this forward? So it's really about, in the end, Anthony, it's about relationships. And what I say is around like, well, why should white people care about racism? Because it affects us. It affects us. Not the same way it affects black people and other people of color. I don't walk down the street and, you know, people clutching their purse or, you know, uh, calling me the N-word. I don't get that every day. But it affects how we all have to navigate the world with this, you know, this BS mm. of, oh, well, we can't talk to him or this or this or, you know, that person. Like all this stuff that we've, you know, that history and, and politics and stuff tells us. So it does affect us because it's something we have to think about when really we should just be out doing our thing and building relationships with whomever. Yeah. It creates a, a barrier, if oh, not right. self-imposed that like society poses and then like, Hey, like you have the choice opportunity to, to remove that barrier such that you have, I would say a better quality of life. Now, again, there's so many things at play here. So <laughs> if anybody else wants to come on the podcast, talk about this, and it's two white guys talking about racism. Like I recognize what that could occur as. So any DEI people you know, say, Hey, I want to talk about this in my org. You know, y'all are welcome. Holler at me. Info totally. at smestrategy.net. Well, and Anthony, you bring up a good point. Like, and that's, I get criticism from, from all over the place. You know, I get people from white people saying, hey, who are you? What are, what are you doing? You know, this is, this is BS, blah, blah. And that, that's like, you know, I just brush that off. Like, I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't need you. You're not, you're, you're not my people just because we have the same, you know, the same ethnic background. Right. But what I also get is from other people of color, especially black people saying, hey, are you the right person to be doing this work? And my answer is yes. And here's how I do it. And here's why I do it. And here's the way I fit into the larger conversation. Because you're right. Here we are, two white guys. What do we know individually or collectively about racism? We haven't lived it. We don't have the lived experience of discrimination, of, of, of trauma, right? The, the intergenerational trauma that, that black people and other people of color have. But white people need to be talking about this with other white people. Because what we can't do is like, hey, black person, can you educate me on, you know, the history of racism, what I can do to be better? Right? No. Like, that, unless, unless, we're gonna pay, unless we're going to pay that person, uh, you know, a shit ton of money. Like, that's not how it works. So white people do need to be having these conversations with each other. And the, the, the gap, though, is that there aren't that many white folks who know how to lead those conversations, who know mm. how to facilitate them, to know how to ask the right questions. And so that's, that's a gap I'm trying to fill. 
Like, I mean, you, you, you talk to, you know, even if you go back in history, Martin Luther King, James Baldwin, Malcolm, you know, and then, you know, more contemporarily, like uh, Resma Manicum and, and other people, white people, you got to get together with your people and figure your shit out. It's like, okay, great. But if you don't know how to actually have those conversations, is it going to lead us anywhere? Yeah. The answer is often no. Hey, sorry to interrupt. It's Anthony here again. I just wanted to let you know if you're enjoying today's episode, I'd love it if you could give us a review and a comment to let us know where you're listening from. It means a lot to us. It helps us with the algorithm. It also helps us get into the hands of more people so that we can keep bringing great guests onto the show. So please do that. Also, if you or your team are planning a strategic planning offsite coming up, please reach out to us. We'd be happy to see if we're a fit to facilitate, to support you and your team getting on the same page and getting clear about where you want to go. So you can visit smestrategy.net or click the link in the description. We'd appreciate both of those things. Now get us back to the episode. Yeah, absolutely. Well, fortunately, and you know, when we were doing our, our summit, we had an internal champion, uh, my colleague, Jenna Sednak, who was just so awesome. And she said, hey, if we're going to do a diversity inclusion summit, something I'm very passionate about, like, let's do an internal check and have that conversation. So I was grateful enough to have that to challenge my own assumptions. And one of the things that you had said earlier that I want to take it back to that we can kind of empower any culture, creed, background to have these type of conversations, because I think everybody has biases somewhere is, you know, observe your action and or inaction, your communication and or non-communication and decisions and or non-decisions. And then the impact of all of those. So it's not rocket science. It's just looking and saying, Hey, do I have biases that dictate my behavior in action, communication, decisions, whether that's hiring decisions, making a snapshot judgment on a resume because of their name, mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. It comes in a lot of different flavors. So we're not going to talk about the flavors, but just looking at that holistically. The other piece is on one hand, gives the, hey, are you the one qualified to talk about it? On the other hand, y'all, you all, plural of you all need to talk about it. And so <laughs> you got to have the conversation. Don't worry about it being right. But I think it's also important to acknowledge and recognize where you do not have the full perspective and don't go on a high horse of saying, Hey, I am better than thou because I'm having this conversation, not saying that to you, not saying that to me, not saying that to anybody, but a reflection of saying, Hey, okay. Are you curious or are you trying to be right? So question, when we look at these large brands, and these large brands are large organizations are having these conversations and without throwing under the, anybody under the bus or giving any secret sauce away. Are these large brands having the conversations because it's the right thing to do? Because if there's a good upside of doing it, because it's necessary, because they have more exposure than most. What is driving those conversations in the larger organizations versus maybe some of the smaller ones? And it could be they just have more resources to go after it. So what do you see out of all of that? Gosh, that's that's a complex question, Anthony, and a, and a great one. So I argue it's as many things in this space are, it's a yes and, it's a both and, right? So roughly you have kind of the moral, right? Like the should, like you should do this because you're talking about people. You're talking about individuals and groups of people who who are flesh and bone, whose whose lives, whose day-to-day comfort, safety, financial, political, cultural lives are are at risk, 
right? And so their place of employment has a great opportunity to create an environment for all of us to live psychologically safe, uh, where we feel like we belong, where we feel like we're valued. So there is the should part. There's also the business part. I, I don't really focus a ton on the business part. I'm not saying it's not valuable or, 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 or important. It's kind of a thing like on one hand, yes, you know, if you do this or when you do this, you're going to make more money. Your business is going to make more money because your employees who are from all kinds of different backgrounds, racial and otherwise, are going to be more committed, are going to be more motivated, are going to feel like they're valued. They're going to do better work. There are all kinds of studies and data to support that. And then I would argue kind of in between that is just looking at demographics. Now, especially in the U.S., but even around, around the world, so many companies are, I mean, almost every company is global in some way, right? And if you look at like U.S. demographics, and, and I don't know, uh, you know, around the world how they, how they shape up, but I imagine they're similar. Like the U.S., for example, is going to be majority minority uh, what, by 2040 or 2050 or something, right? So just the fact like we can't have this old boy, old white boys network it's not going to last. It's not going to be good for business. And so I'm, again, focusing on the people who I have the opportunity to work with. Sometimes they're the CEO. Sometimes they're, you know, first, you know, you know, entry level manager and everywhere in between. Helping them understand those types of questions that you just that you just phrased. Like, you know, let's look at the bigger picture here. And I always, especially when I'm doing one-on-one -on -one coaching, but when I speak, it's in the book, you'll see it a lot. When I facilitate groups, like, what is each of your individual reason for caring about this? Oh, you don't know? Okay, well, let's figure that out, right? So I can tell my story, you know, I can tell a 30-second version, I can tell a 30-minute version, I can tell, a, you know, a four-week version of why I do this work. I do this work because if we lived in an equitable world, I actually wouldn't be here. My father was a gay man. He got married, had a kid, me, because that's what you're supposed to do. Because when I was born, homosexuality was just depathologized, right? So it wasn't safe or legal uh, for my dad to come out. So he married a woman and had me. So everyone might, everyone has a story about why we should care about this work. It might not be as dramatic or traumatic as, as that, but there's something. And so I challenge people, let's explore your story. Let's explore your narrative and let's explore how we can use that to inspire the people with whom you work. I think it's really, I call it like profound, but just interesting isn't even the right word. A lot of this work is common sense in a way. And I think that there's a gap in understanding mm -hmm. because especially people who say, oh, I'm not racist or I don't have these biases or I don't see it as a problem. Even somebody who is aware of it, you know, you're not, it's, you're not, not racist. There's always stuff, but it's not until you actually put yourself in the position of someone else and saying, Oh, like you feel like you're always having to stand up for yourself in meetings because no one ever listens to you. It's like, so as a leader, I think it's beholden to look at the DEI, not just diversity and, but the equity and the collusion, all of the piece so that you become a better leader because you're supporting your people better. And then yeah. to your point, Jared, you know, it's a, a, a great environment. So as leaders, our jobs are to create great environment for our people and high performing teams create 
areas that are psychologically safe. So if we only looked at it from the business perspective, well, there's a couple of reasons for it there. And then to put yourself in the positions of someone else, because perspective is reality. And so if they're experiencing not diversity, not inclusion, not equity, then they are feeling it regardless of what you think. And I think it's worth a reflection to do. Exactly. Well, I mean, exactly. Regardless of what you think that, I mean, that's why the subtitle of the book is an invitation. Like the language is very intentional, an invitation. So I'm not, I'm not coming in like, you have to do this. I'm not, I don't even call myself an expert. I don't consider myself an expert. I consider myself someone who's, who's interested and curious about this work, about people, about relationships, about uh, equity, as I talked about, you know, with my dad. Um, so it's an invitation. Hey, 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 folks, here's a book I've written. It's an invitation. I've got some perspectives, some, some ideas, some frameworks. You might be interested in them too. I think, you know, I invite you to reflect, right? Because that part you just mentioned, that's about, that's the reflection piece. Hmm. My, my colleague over here, who's a, a gay black woman, might she think of it differently than I experienced it as a straight white man? Oh, yeah. You know what? If I reflect for a little bit, yeah, probably. It's probably a different experience for her than it is for me. Mm. And then, and act. So once you understand and you, you understand power dynamics, you understand historical inequities and oppression and you know, racism and all these things, once you understand privilege and what that means and what it doesn't mean, et cetera, then you can act because you're like, wait a second, I get it now. And you don't have to know every, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to know all the right words. You don't have to say all the right things. You just have to understand that we're not living in a, a, in a level playing field. It's not a meritocracy. And I think that's, those concepts are, are barriers for some people, a lot of people. Because if, if I think that it's a meritocracy, then, well, hey, just so happens that of the 20 VPs in the company, you know, 19 of them are white men. And hey, it's a meritocracy. I guess so white men are just smarter than everyone else. It's like, mm, no. But if you understand that those types of contexts happen because of all these other things that, you know, some of which you've mentioned, Anthony, you know, biases and uh, other things, then you go, okay, what am I going to, what am I going to do in my position of influence to change that, to act day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, to change the systems in which I'm part of. Yeah. And I think the key word there is like the systems, like systems get created by biases and how you, that's why AI can sometimes be dangerous because it's programmed. So it's however it's programmed lead you to decisions. One of the things that like say invitation, like if somebody invites you to a party, you do not need to go and you do not feel like you're forced to go. You have the choice to go. So I think the invitation to reflect on this take some reflection than act. And one of the things that was really helpful for me as I went through this was just like a beginner mindset. Just like forget everything I think I know and just say like, I'm not, I'm not being challenged at this. It's like my choice to reflect on it and my choice to look at it. And then like, we got so far to go, by the way, man, woman, he, her, them, they, we got lots to go around, uh, around the work to do. And I think that as leaders and as audience members, you know, I think you, you roll with it. And I think that there's a lot we can do to make workplaces great. And the reason I decided to do strategic planning is because when you have a great workplace, you have great family life. When you have great family life, you have impact in your community. When you have great impact in the community, the world is better. So strategic planning is my way of changing the world. 
this podcast is my way of changing the world for the better. And I get to have great conversations with folks like Jared to make the world a better place. So uh, Jared, where can people uh, connect with you? Where can they learn more about the work that you do? Yeah, I mean, great. I love that wrap up, Anthony. So true. It's all interconnected. People can find me. I'm really active on LinkedIn. So just search for me, J-A-R-E-D-K-A-R-O-L on LinkedIn. You can connect with me there, follow me there. Uh, The book, A White Guy Confronting Racism, is that's the URL, uh, awhitegayconfrontingracism.com. You'll find the book there. And then you can learn more about me uh, and my coaching, facilitating other stuff at jaredcarroll.com. And they're all pretty kind of inter, interwoven, inter, uh, you know, interconnected. So those are the three main places. I'm also on Instagram, not super active. And I try and stay away from uh, Twitter and Facebook just for my mental health. <laughs> I, I got that. Well, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's mostly memes, but uh, you know, you've been warned, but really Jared, thank you for the conversation today. Uh, you know, two white guys confronting racism, having a conversation about it. I, I think, you know, there's, I don't think there's a wrong way to do it. I could be wrong. Somebody could tell me, but I think it's, you know, being questioning and reflecting and having the conversation, I think can only lead to better results. And I appreciate you making the time to, to chat with me today. I agree wholeheartedly with that. You're very welcome. And I appreciate you too. Thank you for having me on the podcast. It's my pleasure. So everyone, my guest today, Jared Carroll, who is the author of A White Guy Confronting Racism, An Invitation to Reflect and Act. And he's a senior facilitator at Translator Inc. My name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe and do all the things you do on the platform. Stay connected, share the podcast with somebody on your team if you wanna have these conversations. And then if you're doing strategic planning with your team and you'd like somebody to engage in different types of conversations, be sure to reach out. Once again, my name is Anthony Taylor. This has been the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Thank you for watching and listening and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Before you go, I wanted to make sure that you knew about our signature course that will help you better align your team and get them bought into your strategic plan. It's presented really simply that whether you're a seasoned veteran or brand new to strategic planning, it'll help you better understand it. It'll help your team think more strategically and it'll help you better prioritize and set goals. Ultimately, it's going to give you a plan that you can execute successfully. Because you have no idea how many plans that I see that look good, but are missing key components to make them successful. And we cover all of those missteps in the course. On top of all the video training, you'll get access to all of our workbooks and access to our knowledge base and community. The course is only $4.95 and you can get instant access to all of the videos. Plus you can use the code podcast for $100 off. Course comes with a 100% money back guarantee. If you don't get value from the course, let us know and we'll give you all of your money back. So go to smestrategy.net slash course, use the code podcast for $100 off. And I'm really looking forward to the opportunity to support you and your team in getting alignment and moving your strategic plan forward. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you next time.